Hello and welcome to another episode of The Travelling Introvert. Uh, this is Janice and this is Career Conversation. I am here with Benjamin Friedman. Hi, ben- Benjamin. Benjamin is great. Hi, Janice. How are you? I'm good. Normally I check that and then I was like, do I want to make the assumption? And no, I should not make the assumption. <laughs> <laughs> so um, thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate it. So the first question I ask everyone is what does introversion mean to you? So a great way to get us rolling here. Uh, For me, introversion means needing to be by myself in order to recharge. And I think there are other variations of that. uh, But I think that when I'm having a tough time, when I'm just feeling drained, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, I find that I typically need to be by myself, maybe 15 minutes, maybe an hour, recollect my thoughts, and then I feel much better after that. All right. Thank you. And so what kind of, tell us a little bit about the work that you do. Sure. So I work with uh, startup founders, typically once they've attained product market fit or uh, service market fit, and they're on the path to scaling their business exponentially. Uh, That's their hope and mine. And so I help them to look holistically across the business to figure out where are the areas that need to be bolstered, uh, either by people, by systems, by software. Uh, I talk with them about solutions that I've seen, uh, risks that I've encountered in the past, and let's discuss some options and the best ways to move forward. And so with that role and working with founders, uh, at least you've got like a specific, like they have to reach here before I start working with them. Can you tell me about some misconceptions that people might have about your role and or your industry in general? Sure. So I think one misconception is that I'm coming in with a toolkit that has exactly the right solutions they need. Uh, Instead, uh, this is a discussion my solution for the last company and for the prior three companies may be very different than what they need based on their team, their stakeholders, their customers, their industry, and certainly the environment changes too. We've seen over the last three or four years, several complete shifts in in how we do work and how we engage business. Uh, So I have to come in and ask a lot of questions, whereas I think sometimes their perception is I'm going to come in with a bunch of solutions already in hand. (laughs) Yeah, or the magic wand to fix everything with a short time period too. Oh, of course. (laughs) Yesterday at best. (laughs) Um, And so mentioning that, thinking about coming in and consulting, what are misconceptions, what you mentioned that it's a misconception the organization has. Are there any misconceptions that individual people within the organization have about what you're coming in to do? Sure. So I think I see that at least two different ways. One is I often do not have industry expertise. I consider myself a consummate generalist and I work across all industries. Uh, I'd like to think there are advantages to that. Uh, While I may not be a subject matter expert, I've seen how best practices work across many different companies. I've seen how they've creatively solved problems, uh, how they've effectively engaged their customers, again, across different industries. Um, But I think people, when they first hear about me, they're like, oh, well, this person's coming in, but they don't really know us. They don't really know our space. Uh, And then I think the second is uh, it's 
Uh, it's sometimes difficult to understand my role uh, because I have a fractional role. It's not clear the hours I'm working, the responsibilities I'll have. Am I managing them? Are they managing me? And I think that's because a lot of people are born of a hierarchical structure. And I understand. I get it, especially if you've been in a large company. It's very clear, you know, everybody's responsibilities, their tasks, what they're supposed to do, what they're not supposed to do, who they're supposed to go to for questions. And then I come in here with this holistic overview of, okay, what's working well at this company? What needs to be better? I really want to hear your opinions, even if it's not exactly about the work you're doing today. But in general, you have a mind, uh, you have insights, and that's what I want to hear. And I think that's uh, potentially uh, different. Uh, I was going to say off-putting. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's definitely different for a lot of people who are used to filling in their role, unless they come exactly from the startup space and they're used to a ton of transition like myself. <laughs> While he was speaking, I was nodding. I was nodding a lot <laughs> just because it's really common how people, especially in, and because fractional roles appear to be a new thing that people are starting to get used to, and uh, they want set hours. Like, well, no, I'm so many hours per week. Like, it kind of depends. I'm not going to be. I don't have office hours. Yeah, all, all those things. So, have you always been in this sort of a role, or what led you to this kind of a role? Sure. So I've been working with startups around business operations and finance over 20 years. Up to four years ago, I was doing it as a full-time employee. I would be the head of finance, the head of operations, typically both because a startup wasn't ready to have separate positions. And I would come in, I would do a lot of work, uh, lay foundation, figure out what uh, needs to be done in those areas that I mentioned. And then after about 12 to 18 months, uh, if I did a good job, you know, presumably things are calmer, we're ready to scale. And then there'd be an inflection point uh, that could be a fundraise, that could be some other event. Okay, we'd have to pivot, we'd have to adjust, put in new systems. So there would be these uh, ups and downs in my journey. And about three years into most situations, they would go through an exit event of some kind, acquisition, merger, uh, management buyout. And they'd say, hey, Benjamin, thanks for getting us here. Really appreciate it. And good luck in your next job. And I just assumed this was part of how life was in the startup world. Uh, so I was looking for yet another full-time job about four and a half years ago. And I ran into a company that was looking for somebody on a part-time basis. And I said, I love what you're doing, um, but I'm looking for a full-time role. And they're like, please, can you help? And I said, well, I can help as long as we're clear that if I find something full-time, I'm probably going to jump and do that. So I started working with them and then somebody else reached out and they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm doing this part-time gig. And they're like, well, uh, we certainly can't hire you full-time, but we'd love to have you come in and work with us. And that happened again and again. And, and Janice, before you know, uh, I was working as a fractional COO. And it's just funny to me because I talk a lot with founders about really thinking about your plans and where do you want to be in life. And yet, ironically, I ended up in my current situation through circumstance and good fortune. So I am aware that there is luck involved, uh, but also there should be planning. <laughs> <laughs> that is so, so true. That's a wonderful way of, of getting into a role. And yeah, especially for startups, it's like, well, we, we, we know we need this, but we can't afford this. How can we get this in a way that works for everybody? And so honestly, fractional is the way to go. So 
with what you I'm going to say that with, with what you've been doing is there something that you've been doing consistently that has helped your business and career so one part of that is thinking strategically about where I want to be in life I feel like for way too long in my career I was very reactive uh, to my jobs, to my circumstances, to my family. And now I realize that I should spend 5% of my time on a weekly basis, stepping back and thinking about where do I want to be in the next few months, in the next few years. Uh, And this not only applies to business, and with business, I break it out, sales, marketing, partnerships, infrastructure, but in my personal life as well. Uh, my family, my journeys, uh, ways I want to explore, ways I want to have fun, really stepping back and thinking, how do I manage all this? And as an introvert, it means uh, leaving my family once a week. I I go to a restaurant with a bunch of notes and I just lay them all out. And I'm like, okay, this is what I really wanted to do last week. Am I making progress? Uh, So for the business, I have specific weekly milestones. For my personal life, it's a little bit uh, looser, but it's like, okay, I've talked about this trip for months now. This was the week that I'm actually going to start making my first step in that direction. And so I essentially hold myself accountable uh, for business. It's more rigorous for personal. It's more loose, uh, but that's what I do. And then the second part, I think, is being more forgiving as an introvert. I used to think, Well, everybody's going to events in order to grow their business. So I have to go to events. And when people go to events, I see they're talking with dozens of people. So I have to talk with dozens of people and I have to jump into groups and I have to pretend like I'm really enjoying myself. And then finally, I realized, Janice, that, okay, this is not who I am genuinely. I do need to go to events. That's part of doing business. But it doesn't mean I have to talk to everybody. Once I talk to one or two people, I'm set. I'm good. If I'm still feeling okay, I can stay longer. But if I feel like I've done enough, then that's okay as well. Uh, I come with a a set of open-ended questions, uh, things like, uh, what are you excited about in the near future? Uh, What's been the best thing that's happened to you in the last few months? Questions that go beyond, you know, what do you think the weather will be like tomorrow? And, and, uh, you know, what brought you here in the first place? I mean, those are fine questions too, but I like to now just sort of dig right into something interesting. And if people respond, that's usually going to be an exciting conversation. And if people, you know, answer, uh, well, the weather tomorrow is supposed to be rainy. When I ask, what are you most excited about the rest of the year? then I know that's probably not going to be a good conversation and I have to go excuse myself and get a drink pretty quickly. Uh, So I've tried to sort of be more aware of who I am coming into these engagements. And and that events is one example, but stepping back, it's being more mindful of who I am. How do I do what I have to do, but in a way that I'm more comfortable in doing? Yeah. um, Again, I was nodding my head. And (laughs) so... With the, you mentioned with your family that you, you know, you take an afternoon or a day or a couple of hours and go to a, a cafe. How did you negotiate, if it was a negotiation, how did you go about introducing that practice into your life and have your family understand that it's not them? <laughs> so it's funny. I think it's a mix. I'd love to sit here and say, Janice, that I, I had this conversation where I sat them down. I explained that I'm an introvert and they all 
nodded their heads vigorously and said, yes, of course, do what you need to do to support yourself. Uh, but my family split. One of my daughters is more introverted. Uh, the other is a little more extroverted. And my wife is definitely an extrovert. So I knew that even if I chose the right words very carefully, as we introverts do, they're still not going to necessarily understand in their heart. And so I would introduce it and then I would follow it up. And I would come back again. Uh, when I would go out to dinner, I'd be sure to then come back and have conversations with the family or individually with everyone to catch up. So they don't think that it has anything to do with them. I'm here for them, but also I need to be here for myself. Uh, occasionally I do this uh, possibly radical thing, which is I take trips on my own. Uh, I go places for a week to explore. It's absolutely lovely as an introvert. I have a great time. But again, I know they don't fully understand. So I always try to come back with gifts. And I always try to you know, really spend a lot of time with them when I get back. You know, what's been happening? What's going on? Uh, of course, I take phone calls and all too while I'm away. But I really try to swing the pendulum even further and be a little more uh, social when I'm back to compensate for the time I was away. But at the end of the day, you know, this is what I need. And I, I know the words can fall flat, but I, I think they know from my emotions before I travel and after, before I go to dinner and after, I think they can sense that I am just more energized and, and more vibrant. And by the way, better to be around as well. <laughs> Yeah, it works out for everyone, people. So, <laughs> yes. is there something that you say no to? Uh, so, I think uh, where I say no, uh, so I would split that in business and personal. So, in business, I, I found that initially, uh, as I'm starting my business, and you might have heard this a lot too, I was saying yes to everybody, right? Oh, you need my help? Sure, no problem. Tell me tell me what you need later. I'm just happy to help you. And then I would dig more into the type of work they need, the deliverables they were expecting. And now I've gotten better at, okay, tell me how you work with other people in the team. Uh, so, sorry, let me step back. So some of my values include optimism, collaboration, uh, learning. Uh, so I really want to work with people who have strong beliefs and their own passion, but they're also open to new ideas and they're open to collaborating with others. Uh, I don't know if it's because of uh, I'm an introvert or just in my DNA, I just get thrilled by a great collaboration where I talk with somebody, I have an idea, probably not the best idea in the world, but they say, oh, let me take a piece of that idea and build on it. And I say, oh, that's great here's what I've seen another company do. What if we did this instead? And we're building. So I want to find that in people I work with. So I start to tease it out from the opening questions. I throw out things like, uh, give me an example of somebody on the team came to you with a great idea and you were willing to implement that. Uh, give me an example of when you delegated responsibility to someone on the team and how did that go? right? Because that's hopefully going to give me a sense. And then once I'm in the door, I try to do some low level tests. Like for example, a couple of weeks in, I might say, hey, I want to try out this new program. It's pretty low risk, but I just want to see if it's going to have a positive impact on the team. And if they're like, oh, of course, try it. Let me know how it works. That's a very different reaction than, well, let's talk about it some more. Well, let's bring in five people, you know, have a committee discussion. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. 
Uh, and then the other part of saying no, I think is, you know, with family, uh, it's hard because I want to please them. I want to make sure everybody's happy, but I have realized that if I say yes all the time, then I become uh, grouchier and less pleasant uh, and I become resentful, quite frankly. And even if I don't use the words, it probably comes out and how I relate to them. So I try to get better at saying no, but can I do it later or no, but can you ask your mom for help or no, but, you know, is it something you can work on? And if you're still stuck, let's talk about it in a couple hours. So I, I try not to make it a complete rejection, but I do try to set boundaries a lot. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so very much. This has been so interesting. Um, I have one final question for you and it is, in your opinion, is a hot dog a sandwich? Oh my gosh. Wow. You're, this is uh, what is it called? The assault journalism right now? Like you're, uh, you, I feel like all the other questions are leading up to this controversy. Uh, frankly, oh, that's a good pun, actually. Frankly, I have yeah. no opinion. <laughs> um, I, a hot dog is something you eat if really there are no other options on the table, unless you're in Iceland. Uh, in which case you have to try the hot dogs because somehow they're so much better in a country that has very few resources. They've made magic with a hot dog. That's right. my answer. I'm sticking with it. I love that. <laughs> now I'm like, I would have thought Iceland for for uh, hot dogs because I'm like fish. But no, <laughs> okay, go for the hot dogs. Um, thank you so very much. That is a great answer. Um, can you let everyone know, or the listeners, um, where they can find out a little bit more about you and the work that you do? Sure. I'm happy to do that. Uh, the website is webuildscalegrow.com. Uh, feel free to go there. I update my blog weekly. I also post on LinkedIn at Benjamin Friedman. Uh, and I had a book come out uh, late last year called Scale, Reach Your Peak. And, and that book is available on Amazon in both paperback and Kindle format. Thank you. Thank you so very much. Go get that book if you, uh, if you are. <laughs> at that stage where you are looking to scale then get it for, for, for fun or you know even before you want to scale because it gives you ideas of probably of foundations of what you need to know that you're at that point because i know there's probably a lot of organizations like well we got a bunch of money so let's scale and it's like oh but uh, oh ah, and stuff and things yeah so thank you so much benjamin i really appreciate it this is janice at the career introvert helping you build your brand and get hired have a great rest of your week